0: Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, executive director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere and every day. Now we believe this is gonna require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified and and collaborating in a region around five key initiatives, which we see the Apostle Paul live out and, and Luke actually records in Acts 13 and 14. And that is citywide prayer, leader health, disciple making strategies, serving the city together, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Now presently, we're spending some time talking about disciple making And in particular, some of the shifts that need to be made in the church to get back to what Jesus commanded all of us to do, which is to make disciples who make disciples. I've had the privilege of speaking into and helping to shape the overall theme and direction for Exponential 2024, and that theme is 180, a return to disciple-making. We're going to be talking about five key shifts needed for us to return to disciple-making. I've also put this into a free book uh, with Exponential that's gonna be available for free, but you can also purchase the paperback on Amazon. During this episode, we're gonna have the, the opportunity and privilege to interact with a man who's lived uh, maybe more in his short amount of years than many of us have, have in an entire lifetime, uh, Mr. Evan Mawarire. Uh I think I said that right, but I might've said it wrong. He'll correct me oh, if I got, got it wrong. It right. Did I get it? Okay, wonderful. He's going to be one of the speakers at Exponential this next year, and he's going to be looking at one of the key shifts, and that shift is from informing to equipping. Now, he served as a Zimbabwean pastor, but he's now residing in the United States. He's a civil rights activist. He's best known as the founder of the hashtag this flag peaceful protest movement, which actually utilized the Zimbabwean Zimbabwean flag as a symbol of national pride in a social media campaign. And it, it, it served to ignite a public demand for accountability of the government's widespread corruption and abuse of office. His work has attracted international attention. Foreign policy named him one of the 100 global thinkers of 2016. South Africa's Daily Maverick newspaper named him the 2016 African Person of the Year. And in addition to holding the fellowship at Stanford University and Yale University, he also has addressed addressed audiences at the Atlantic Council, Harvard, Oxford Union, Oslo Freedom Forum, and Geneva Summit and I get to have him here on this podcast. So man, I am so grateful to welcome you and thank you for being present so that more and more people can be introduced to your story and the work that you've done. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast.
1: Jeff, thank you so much for for having me. You are uh, a very uh, kind person, Uh, very patient in uh, reading that whole bio, which I think has to be cut now. It's it's, it's, it's too long.
0: You told me before we got on that you wanted to be the fly on the wall at Exponential, and I would say you're anything but a fly on the wall, brother. (laughs) My goodness.
1: Well, uh, like I said, there's a friend of mine who will enjoy that comment you've just made of uh, me trying to be... Be a fly on the wall, uh, and and that not working out, but a huge pleasure for me to be mm. with you here today. Thank you for having me on on uh, you know on this platform.
0: Yeah, so glad to have you. And you know i I am eager for people to get to know a bit more about your story. I, I think mm. sometimes if we don't know the story of a person, it's hard for us to listen with the context you know behind it. And so, would you share a little bit of what you've walked through? I mean, I gave a very brief idea of it, but God's used you in some pretty remarkable ways, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that i'm I'm so thankful
1: that i was I was able to be used of God for my nation, Zimbabwe, and beyond in the way that things worked out. You know Jeff, I'll be the first to say that it wasn't the easiest of journeys um you know and and but you know it's a journey that I wouldn't trade uh you know as well simply because of the things that God allowed me to see. During mm-hmm. that journey, and as you said in that intro, you know, I started from my church office, actually, my small church office in Harare in Zimbabwe, where my wife and I were looking after a, a small congregation of about thirty adults, maybe forty, on a good day, right You know how you know how we are pastors when our churches are small, we keep the numbers. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a small, it's a small, it's a small church pastor thing. If you have a big church, you, you don't get it. You know, it's, it's, it's just us guys <laughs> in small churches.
0: That's right. But,
1: yeah. But, you know, we were looking after our small church, but, and Zimbabwe was crumbling and had been crumbling for years. And, um, I decided that I would speak up and say something about the poverty that was, um, engulfing Zimbabwe, the disease that had killed so many over the years, the injustices that were taking place in Zimbabwe, just the level of corruption. I mean, in 2008, Zimbabwe ended up uh, with inflation rate of 286 million percent. Uh, oh in our goodness. largest banknote at that time, yeah, our largest banknote at that time was a 100 trillion dollar note. Uh, just think about that $100 trillion and at the height of inflation, that $100 trillion note uh, was enough to buy you three slices of bread, not a loaf, three slices of bread. And and I experienced that. My My retired parents experienced that. They lost everything that they had saved and and you have to think that if people that had something lost it all what about people that had nothing already during that time they sunk into depths of poverty that are difficult to explain so oh. so i spoke up and i recorded a 4 minute video uh, that we i uploaded onto facebook and in that video i was just asking about what does zimbabwe Zimbabwe's flag mean for you and me in terms of the promise of prosperity it makes. So that's that's how the flag got roped in. Um, and you can kind of see it in the background there, the Zimbabwean yes. flag yep. peeking there. And it, it's a whole story. So I based my four minute rant, because it was a rant, I was angry, I was upset, I was frustrated. And I based this four minute rant on this the story that this flag tells for us that it's supposed to be a prosperous land for all. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a land for people to be free. And it, it, was nothing, it was nothing of that nature. So that video went viral and began this citizens movement. And as a pastor, I think, you know, you try your best to, to, to kind of blend in and just mind your church business. But I think the injustice around me was too much to ignore. Uh, you know, and so and so. this is how I then leaned into the formation of this citizens movement based on this video going viral. And that meant that at one point we were I was able to call the nation to a protest, which was uh, a boycott of everything. We shut the country down. Basically, it's a country of uh, 14 million people. We asked people to stay at home, to not open their businesses, not go to work, not take their children to school uh, not go to the supermarket, just stay at home. And remarkably, Jeff, remarkably of the many miracles that I saw on this journey over four years of uh, civil rights activism in Zimbabwe, that was the first one that I began to understand that something much bigger than me was at play because over 10 million people responded to that call and the entire country came to a complete standstill. I still get goosebumps whenever I think of that moment because here I am pastoring a church of 30 people and here is a nation listening to what I am saying. I'm a nobody, and here they are saying, "Tell us what to do next." Here they are saying, you, "You're onto something, and we're ready to do whatever you you say is possible." Um, and one of the key things I begin to do at that moment is ask our nation to to pray for Zimbabwe, which is something that that you don't hear normally in civil uh, you know civil activism these days. Uh, but it was the thing I knew to do. I was not a social activist. I was not a politician. I was trained in none of these things, but prayer? Now that's that was my thing. So so I, I would always ask people to pray for our country. And, and somehow I think that resonated uh, over the period uh, of time that we did this. I was arrested immediately after that first protest and uh, I was locked up in a maximum security prison. I was tortured, I was beaten, uh, over two nights before my trial began. And eventually um, was released because people began to protest this arrest that had happened. I'd never met people by the way, I'd never met thousands of people or groups of people, everything was online. And so uh, eventually I, uh, uh, I was released because people were, were protesting my arrest and uh, we managed to escape the country with my family into safety in the US. And after being safe for six months, I felt the Lord give me an instruction that was very, very different from what I thought he would give me. Uh, he said to me, you need to go back uh, to Zimbabwe. Um, and that was a very difficult decision to make. Uh, but eventually we, you know, you know, I managed to make, to, to get that decision done. I left my family here and I went back to Zimbabwe. And of course I was arrested immediately on arrival. I was plucked off the plane and sent straight back to the maximum security prison where I spent four months uh, you know in that maximum security prison. And and even though I would be released on bail, uh, I was not allowed to leave the country. They took my passport, took title deeds to my parents' home. And then I spent the rest of the year in and out of prison. I was arrested um, probably about eight times during the process um, uh, of, uh, of this work that then became something I committed myself to and so many things uh, it would be three years before I finally left Zimbabwe as a free person um, and uh, I ca- you know you know came back to my family after three years of being away so so that's kind of the story uh, of how that's shaped up and uh, today I still continue the work of fighting for civil liberties across the world for Zimbabwe but also across the world in different roles um, and it's been the honor of my life to speak about the motivation of uh, the kingdom of God as being the starting point for all of this and being the staying power uh, even now.
0: Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, you heard in the intro that when I am trying to help cities think about gospel saturation, one of, there's a couple key initiatives we try to get them to think about, which is, one is prayer, which is what you just talked about. Like a prayer is powerful. It doesn't matter how much you know, weight you have as a leader, what platform you have, how big your church is—you're actually talking to the one who can change everything. Yes, and sir. so I mean that just when you said that, like that's all you need to do. I was like, "Amen!" Like if that's all we did, God would lead all the next steps, right? Absolutely. He would get us, and which is what He did with you. And then the second one that you really hit on that I think is so important is that you you cared for your. Your, you know, your place. The the thing we talk about is you've got to learn how to serve your city in a way that brings kingdom good to that place. And you said this doesn't look like the kingdom. And what mm. would it look like if the kingdom of God broke into your country mm. and you stood up and in, in prayer, but also in protest to say it can look very different. And so, yep. thank you, thank you for. I mean, I I don't even begin to understand what you went through. Very few of us will understand what you went through, but I I know that. Likely, God gave you the grace to go through it because that's He always gives us just in time grace to go through the things that He calls us to go through.
1: Oh wow, thank that's you for it. doing
0: it, man. You know, thank I just you. what thank a you, Jeff, what a gift your story is. Your life is such an example. Um, so, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, as you think about that, and you know your role as a pastor, but now your role in obviously a much broader context. How how have you personally experienced? Because we're going to talk. We're talking about disciple making. I'm going to make a shift. Mm-hmm. But how have you personally experienced that transformative power of disciple making in your own journey as a follower of Christ?
1: Well, yes, I I I, I, I actually I have um, you know these experiences of this transformative power of discipleship in in my own life. And there's two sides to uh, two sides to this um, to this experience. When I realized, I think it's as a young man, I I realized that it was not enough to be just a member of a church to fulfill Christ's mandate. Um, I I realized that I needed to be an active part of Mm. uh, Jesus's mandate. So, so to be an active part, I mean, I'd been a Christian for years. I was born into a Christian home, Um, but I had to go through that process of of my faith becoming my own faith, you know, moving from my faith being my parents' faith to being my own faith. And, and once my faith became mine, and, and, and in terms of my experience of Christ's love, Christ's power mm-hmm. uh, became my own, um, I think I realized at that point that it was it was not enough just to be a church member, you know, and just come on Sunday and, you know, listen to the sermon and, and go back home. There, there had to be another level. And I, I kind of took that to a bit of an extreme level because I then decided, look, I'm going to enroll into Bible school. I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to, you know uh, you know, you know, just kind of soak it in from, from, from the pews. I want to go to Bible school, learn this deeper. And as I did that and as I began to understand more and more of the story of God's great mandate to reach man, Mm -hmm. I, I was, I was wrapped in it. I wanted to be part of this, you know, especially Mm -hmm. when I read about how Jesus then sends out his disciples then he leaves them that great commission what we call the great Commission I was I was taken by that and I thought you know what this mm. is what I want to do and so I left the corporate job I had and I became a youth pastor uh, and which if anyone if anyone has has been a youth <laughs> pastor they know that that's the baptism of ministry right there <laughs> I did that yeah. for
0: 14 years man
1: <laughs> there you go you know you know Jeff I'm convinced that every great pastor, who has become a great pastor, started off as a youth pastor. they, they I were, think you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. They went through through that thing because it is a thing and mm-hmm. it, it, it eats you alive. But let me tell you something, it, it spits you out even more alive. Um, young people are the most amazing people to disciple and to pastor. Yes. their energy, their their genuineness, their authenticity, their openness, uh their, their I mean it's just it's incredible to to have the opportunity to mold young lives and for God to help for you to watch God work through these amazing young lives and raise gifts that are even bigger and greater than your own. That Amen. for me is a powerful thing to see. I totally agree with you, man. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So, so, so <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I became a youth pastor and, um, you know, and, 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 and I think that's, that, that's those two experiences, me making the decision to go and sit under some teaching and training. And then me make the second part of that experience of disciple making, uh, was me then take, taking the role to say, okay, in the same way that I have been, uh, mentored the same way that God has called me and taught me and brought me up. I want to be in a position where I can lead others to get into that space as well, where they are taught, where they are called, taught, raised, and sent, uh, sent yeah. out as well.
0: I love it. Yeah, and I, one thing I I became con- convinced of, and it sounds like you were as well. It doesn't really matter the age as long as they have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be equipped, they can be sent, they can be a significant part of the work he's doing Absolutely. all around the world. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, in terms of your own experience of being equipped, what would you say, like where and how have you observed the greatest equipping as a disciple? Maybe something that happened to you or where you watched somebody else, like what would be some signs of great equipping or experience of great equipping you've experienced or seen?
1: I, Jeff, I would say that that one-on-one personal relationships that i had right with with people who had walked with christ were part of my greatest equipping mm. right um they those people taught me and they encouraged me from their own lived experiences and that encouraged me to seek mm. my own personal relationship with you know with christ and so from that i could go on to say discipleship is is really a two way close contact activity right you mm-hmm. you i think i think it's you're you're engaging in futility if you want to disciple someone from a distance or without yeah. without knowing them fully or without without being in close contact with them and them with you right mm-hmm. it's futile it's it's discipleship doesn't work like that. And so, you know, um, uh, you know, so it's a two way, it's a two way close contact activity and for it to work effectively, you have to be willing to both open up to someone's instruction, their advice, their encouragement, their correction, their admonishment, their instruction, uh, you know, their, 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 their friendship, their camaraderie. um, you know, you've got to be, you've got to open up for that, or you also have to be given the privilege to see into someone's life without filters. Um, mm. and, and, and I think that was the relationship that Christ had with his disciples. Amen, my, yeah. m- my pastor, uh, you know, who was my pastor from when I was a youth pastor up until I became, you know, a, a pastor for a church that he asked me to look after, a wonderful m- man. His name is uh, Tom Duchelle. Um, he always said to me, you know, you 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 disciple through three basic uh, elements uh, when you are discipling a person, and he said it is a a look, a touch, and a word. Right? He says people 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 need a look, and that's what Jesus did. He always looked at people. You know, people need a touch. He always Jesus always touched people, and and people need a word. Jesus always gave people a word, whether it is it is Gyrus who, you know, whose daughter, you know, you know, you know, had died, you know, he looked at him, you know, he, he gave him a word, Uh you know, and w- whether it is, it is, it is the one, the man who was brought through the roof, whether it is the woman at the well, uh, I mean, just so many, but that concept yeah. of a look, a touch and a word has never left me. It's, it's, it, 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 it has, it has become part of the foundational way in which I have continued to do ministry and to, and to disciple other people.
0: Oh man, that's so good. I mean, when I think about those two, three things, it's like, I see you, like, I really see who you are. I see what's Mm -hmm. going on in your life. I care about what you are going through that's the touch. Like I'm present with you. I'm I'm gonna engage in a very relational, physical way. And then there's the word. And I'm not gonna leave you without the truth you need mm. to be able to do what you're called to do. So man, that's beautiful. Thank God for that pastor in your life. That's oh yeah really simple but transferable. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one of the things we do in the book as well as we're gonna talk about the conference is that everyone needs to have some kind of definition Uh, What a a disciple is, what a mature disciple looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. Jesus said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." So you've got this, you know, right at the very beginning of his calling, it's like, "Follow me." It's relational. I'll make you. It's transformational. Fishers of men. It's commissional. We're going to go do something together, and it begins to shape up what what he means when he says, "Come, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher man." When he says, "I'll go and make disciples," the disciples knew what that meant. You know, they had Mm -hmm. an idea. Of a, a picture of what that looked like, because they he had done it to them. So, as you think about a disciple, how would you define what a mature disciple looks like? And maybe a phrase, a word, a description. What, what, how would you frame that up? Um, that's a really good question. A mature disciple.
1: I let me let me maybe I'll I'll define it with maybe three, four, maybe four things. I think I think maybe four things that would define a mature disciple for me. Um, because I think, I think there's a, there's an aspect of continuously growing. Cause I don't think mature means you, you are done, you know, yes. or you're complete. I think maturity is, 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 doing something, doing it well, but continuously growing, you know, in mm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that a mature disciple, in my view, is someone who is continuously growing in in, in, in these in these four things. The, the first one is understanding the importance of their personal walk with Jesus, hmm. right? Um, uh, and, and knowing that that is the source. That's yes. a mature disciple, knowing the source. Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. And then he says later on in the script, he says, outside of me, you can do nothing. Nothing. It, and and, and the, the most amazing thing is that it sounds like you're being told off in that scripture, but it's actually an empowering scripture. It's an empowering statement, right? Yes. Because what he's saying is that, Luke, 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 uh, uh, you know, as the Bible says in Luke, he's, he's actually saying, for with me, for with God, all things are possible. In fact, you, with me, if you're grafted, you can do all things. Right? Yes, uh, yes. So that's number one. Someone who mm-hmm. understands the importance of their personal walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. The second is understanding God's mission to save mankind. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's, it's the, the reason why that is important is that you, it helps the way you look at the world, the way you look at events in the world, the way you look at people, no matter what they are or what they do or what they've done, When you look at people through the eyes of grace or through the eyes of God's mission, there is a different way in which you relate with those those people. So that's number two. The third is understanding their role in God's mission, in that mission. So Mm -hmm. understanding God's mission, but then understanding your role. What is my role in this mission? Because then that gives you something to hold on to it gives you somewhere to apply yourself, something to deploy yourself, you know, in, in that mission, to exert yourself in that mission, to experience the gifts of God in that, in that mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fourth thing and final thing I would say in, de- in describing a mature disciple is understanding how to onboard other people onto God's mission. Mm. right? So those four things, number one, understanding the importance of their personal walk with God and growing in that, understanding God's mission to save mankind and growing in understanding that, understanding the role, uh, their role in God's mission and growing in that, and then understanding how to onboard others onto God's mission. So
0: good, man. It's great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, as you're sitting there saying, I was like, okay, so there a, a disciple then is one who just, he knows how to be in relationship with Jesus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: knows the importance of the mission of God, knows their role in that mission, is going to help everybody else do the last three, <laughs> the same thing, be with Jesus, know the mission of God, and know their role so they can participate in it as well. So exactly. really good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that we hear a lot when we interact with church leaders around, not just in the United States, but we've seen this around the world, um, is that many of them really struggle to be fruitful, both personally as well as as a church, in actually making disciples. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, which is like the number one thing just left us with really clear. That is the mission. That's the Great Commission. Um, what, why do you believe that churches and ministries struggle with that? With being fruitful and consistent in making disciples
1: i i i want to speak from from my own experiences of of struggling because
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. you know jeff there there have been moments where i have struggled as a um as a pastor as a leader as someone looking after a church and and someone who is who is desiring to serve God, there has been that struggle of, yeah. you know, um, uh, being consistent in 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 making disciples. And I think some of the the reasons uh, are reasons that probably align with those four things I just mentioned just now in terms of a mature disciple. And and mm. but but let me let me let me flesh them out a little a little differently but you'll yeah. see that they'll they will align with those four understandings of a four uh you know of a mature disciple the first is i think disciple makers you know s- sometimes themselves uh, uh, d- don't have a growing relationship with the lord right mm-hmm. um you know ministry is a spiritual activity we 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 make what we are n- not mm-hmm. what we wish right yeah, yeah and so and so if we are not walking in in a genuine growing vibrant relationship with Christ it's going to be tough to make others into what we are not is that, i don't know if that's making any sense to um, you
0: yeah right? i mean jesus said when a student is fully taught he will resemble his teacher so exactly. if, we, if it's not in us it's right? not going to be passed on from us it's it's not yeah. cuz you cuz you can't give what you don't have right that's right
1: um, you know, one of the stories in the Bible that, and I've, I've shared this so many, so often in places our masters speak, in churches our masters speak, is, is that story in Acts of Peter and John, right? When they're at that at the gate called Beautiful Day encounter uh, that man who asks them, you know, for money, And Peter responds and he, and he says to to him, silver and gold have I none, but such Mm -hmm. as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter wasn't, didn't wish for healing at that very point or just say, oh God, we need healing right now. Not that that's a bad thing, but Peter was giving out of the overflow of what he had, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think we sometimes as we're, as good intentioned as we are as pastors and leaders and disciple makers we 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 find ourselves um uh we find ourselves lacking in that department of just the personal walking with God where God just is just ministering to me and I minister to myself so so I think that's number 1 the second would be I think also there has over the years and I come from Africa where I've seen this happening churches have a veneer of God's mission yet championing their own agenda wow all right
0: wow. We,
1: we we have You're, a veneer. you are right man <laughs> yeah can can I just say that again yeah, right you yeah. can say
0: that again <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow I think yeah churches have a veneer of God's mission yet championing their own agenda we're caught up in preserving or promoting you know our preferred culture Right. Uh, we, we would rather preach prosperity, uh, you know, of the of the of our of our lives in terms of bank accounts and possessions uh, and that being the reason for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for worshiping God, uh, you know, sometimes we're caught up with, with with our own personal popularity as a pastor. Once you, your name starts to explode and you be, you know, you become known, then that becomes, you know, that becomes, that becomes the, that becomes the focus. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's number two. The, the third one would be, I think there's also sometimes a weak understanding of our role in God's mission. What are we called mm-hmm. to accomplish as a church? Right? Do we, are we clear about that? Have we prayerfully heard of this instruction from God? Mm. Right? Um, you know, rather than, and 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 it's okay. I think that it's okay that churches um, sit and they figure out what their vision and their mission is. And we do it according to what we've seen in the corporate world. But the one thing the corporate world does not do that we have access to is to just sit with the Father is to sit with Jesus and just ask him, Lord, what would you have us do? Mm -hmm. Right? Lord, Mm -hmm. what do you want me, what do you want me to do? This is what what Jesus' mother said to those men (laughs) that came to him when the wine had run out, right? And and she said to she said to them, whatever he tells you to do, you do that. (laughs) <laughs> right, <It's> so good, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and 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 I think I think we've lost that, and so I think there needs mm. to be a return to this prayerful understanding of what the instruction for our church gathering is. And the final mm-hmm. thing I'll give you on this is that I think there has been an abandonment of making disciples, and instead we're making followers of our brand, and. You know, I'll I'll tell you this, you know, when I look around every church that has sought to become a brand unto itself has ultimately hurt people and has eventually collapsed itself. And I'll stop there.
0: Wow. Wow. I will not disagree with you at all on that. <laughs> mm. Some, some, some who are listening know that after the fall of Mars Hill, I was asked to step in and try to, Start a new church out of the ruins of the main campus there in Bellevue, Washington, and I saw exactly what you just said. That when mm. it became committed to the brand and to a particular ego, uh, the whole thing didn't last. I think God said enough. You know, like oh, yeah. that's not what I'm. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm here for. The the, it, the ego is Jesus. The brand is the kingdom of God. So there you go, there you go, <laughs> and and the thing is that it's easy to get caught up in it, right? We
1: all can do um, it. Yep, we we yep. all can do it, and and yep. and and the thing about building these brands is that it becomes exclusionary instead of inclusionary. It, mm. it becomes competitive instead of uh, complementing, right? Um, uh, uh, I mean, there's just, there's just so much that, that and it just becomes, it, it then it eats us. We, we become the focus instead of, yes. instead of Jesus, where he says, if, 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 you know, if I be lifted up, I draw, I will draw all men towards me. And then, you know, that becomes replaced. He becomes a footnote and, 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 and it just gets blurry and messy. And after a while, like you said, the spirit of God, the spirit of God departs from from work yeah. like that uh, that's right Jeff and I, and I know people don't like hearing it and, and people may say well no he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us you know it, it's 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 not about see the grace of God upon our lives and upon our ministries should never become a license for us to uh, uh, to push the envelope as, as far as we can move fast and break things maybe for the startup world it's not for God's church
0: yeah
1: right it's 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 you know we have a blueprint right we're not creating something out of nothing we're not self-made we are made in the image of god i like what you said earlier on you quoted from that scripture follow me and i will make you that's right i will make you i think i think that's such an important thing to every now and Mm. again return to sit down in our churches gather our leaders and our and our and our friends and our pastors and our followers and and those that are members and and say are we are we still following Christ like can we be honest is there anyone who has a concern and a lot of churches are afraid to do that because they are afraid what they'll hear back
0: mm, man you know, when you you said the whole idea that when we we start becoming about our our brand or our name uh, it moves it moves from being complementary to one another to being competitive with each other and you know one of the things that i'm i'm work i work at and pray for and try to serve leaders in is helping us actually be one church in the city truly united truly realizing it's Jesus church he's the head of the church we are not competing at all we are completely competing should be complimenting and serving each other. When you said that, it made me th- just want to ask the question to our listeners, you know, in your own context, the things you get to lead have authority over. Are you experiencing a, a spirit of competition mm. in your own heart? Because mm. if you are, you are not making it about him. That's so true, isn't it? And you said that I just thought, man, I just want to pause and ask the question. Like, are we making it about us in such a way that it can be evidenced by the fact that we believe we're competing with other churches or other ministries? Oh, like, man. no, man, oh. we're part of one body. We are. Man, I, just, you know, I just want you to, I was so glad you said that. Oh, <laughs> such a litmus test in our own hearts. I, I actually
1: remember, Jeff, when, and there's a lot of people that might attest to having the same experience. I remember being in another church where if you and these churches were in the same city and they, they these two churches were, were pretty large and they would each host a conference um, kind of almost at the same time of the year, um, sli- just slightly apart. But what would happen was that if you were found out to have gone to the other church's conference, um, mm. either as a, and, and yet you were a member of this one church or God forbid you're a leader of that church, you were in trouble to the point mm. that people would go to the conference of this other church undercover they would go quietly and they would they would and, and i remember this this is the one of the weirdest experiences i had jeff was s- sitting in the bleachers of this conference center trying to hide to make sure no one saw me cuz you know i was a leader in the other uh, church and then leaving early before before the message was done so that i didn't have to bump into people and then get this Bumping to other leaders from my church, and we're thinking, "Oh, you're here!" <laughs> <laughs> and we're all walking out, and we're like, Shh. "Don't tell anyone." That. I didn't see you. You didn't see me. Oh my god, that is toxic. That is toxic. It's so toxic. But, oh church, my see, but churches get churches get to that point. You know what I mean? <sighs> churches get to that point, and 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 it 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 is it, it is it's not just unhealthy. It's it really is is classified as evil. That is Yeah, it's demonic, man. Let's call it what it is.
0: It's opposed to Jesus, right? There you go. Because he I mean, he came, he prayed, you know, John 17, Fathers, I am in you and you are in me. May they be in us, may they be one, so that the world will know. Mm. Like the world is being led to believe that this God is divided because his people are divided. Like we we bear the image of what he's like. So if we can't mm. be one, how in the world is the world going to believe that the father and son were one on this grand mission to save all of humanity? Like that's no it. wonder they're having a hard time believing the message. Mm. Man. Oh, that's so good. That I I'm that's I'm going to add that to one of the questions that when I go to a city or I go to a church and ask how well are we doing at unity? I think that mm. one of the questions I'm going to ask is, is there uh, is there any hint of a competitive spirit in you mm, with the other mm, brothers and sisters in this city because mm, if there is man we need to repent
1: and that's a such a good question to ask jeff i yeah. think you would do you would be of such amazing service with that it's a, it's an uncomfortable question uh yeah. you know to ask and and i mean to 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 even take it further and say what are we doing to be more complementary in our yeah. city with other churches um if there's a church that does something better than you Sometimes there's no need for you to start your own version of what they do. Go and support that instead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go and support that and say, "Hey, you guys, you guys have been doing this for years. We want to we want to come here and give momentum to this and bless this whole city going forward." Mm. It's a tough, a lot of pastors, if they're being honest, will tell you it's a tough thing to do, but it's, it'll bless you so much. It releases you so much. There's, mm. uh, there's such an amazing sense of, of pushing the kingdom forward when, when you do that and God blesses you even more.
0: So good. So good. You know, I'm going to jump to one of the other questions I had in light of mm. what you just said. You know, in Ephesians 4. And I often, I've I've learned that I need to not just start in verse eleven where it talks about God giving these people gifts to the church, but I I've learned to back it up a little bit because it says that he he led this host of of captives uh, um, in his train, like he he set the captives free and then he led these captives with him, you know. To and it says later, you know, that he might fill all in all. I, we we skip over that because it says he who descended also. Uh, he who ascended also descended so that he might fill all in all. And if we go back mm-hmm. in Ephesians chapter one, it says that Jesus is the head of his church, which is his body in which he fills all in all. And so this idea is Jesus wants to fill a city with his very presence through his people who've been set free from captivity and darkness being given into the kingdom of light and then released as gifts to the city, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that we'll all grow up into this fullness mm. of Christ so that we can not only be grown up into the fullness of Christ, but we can also be the fullness of Christ in our city. And then at the end, he says, as each part is working properly, this body builds itself up in love. And so I want to go there because you just said, if we could just, if we could just embrace the fact that there might be churches or leaders in our city that do things better than us. And we could just do what we're made to do. Then we'd feel this release to be who we are, but also this freedom to lean into everybody else. And so it made me, this wasn't going to be in my question, but I'm going to kind of massage the question a little bit in light of what you just said, because I think part of what you're saying is in our city, we have all the gifts. We Mm -hmm. have all the resources. We have all the strengths of the kingdom. But I'm concerned that we have our little market, which oftentimes is a unique expression of one of those gifts, and we're missing out on what it would look like if we could see the full fivefold equipping of Jesus through his people. Mm -hmm. apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Like I'm convinced some churches are really, really good at living into that more prophetic and others are really, really good at living more into the shepherding or the teaching or the evangelistic. And some of us are really good at starting new works like apostolic leaders, but we're not helping the other churches that don't know how to start new works. Mm -hmm. And just made me, as you said that, I kind of want to ask the question on two levels. You know, one, is we think about those Five fold giftings that God's, that Christ has given to the church. How have you, first of all, experienced those contribute to the equipping of the saints? So, just how do you see equipping saints for the work of ministry? And then I think, second, what would it look like if we actually embrace this in a city together? And that mm-hmm. wasn't a question I, I asked you to prepare for, but <laughs> man, when you said that, I just thought, I think that's. That is what he wants for us. That we'd we'd have so much unity if we really embraced everybody and their unique gifts. So, first of all, how have you seen it? You know, these five gifts contribute to equipping the saints for worker ministry. And then, second, how might that shape how we even look at our whole city and all these other churches?
1: I'm gonna, Jeff. I'm gonna give you an answer from from my own experience uh, during work of. uh, of building the citizens' movement in Zimbabwe, yeah. I I landed up in the maximum security prison, um, and and just just didn't know how I was going to survive that terrain. Right? It's it was it's just it's just not one of those things that you plan for. So yeah. you <laughs> you never read up on you know, how to survive the first day, the maximum security for dummies edition, right? <laughs> you, 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 you're not going to be reading that. You're not, because you're not planning to go there, right? That's right. And on day one, I'm walking into this prison and I have to tell you, I had with me my my Bible and my Zimbabwean flag. I, those are the two things I refused to give up when when they brought me into the prison. So they take... All your belongings. They dress you up in in this prison clothes, and uh, then you take a limited amount of belongings in. You have a bucket, um, a bucket with you, in which all the things you are allowed to take in, which are toiletries, uh, dried foods, because you can't bring any liquids in. Um, you know, uh, which are you know just a few of your kind of undergarment <coughs> clothes, um, and they all have to fit in this bucket. And so those are the things I had. And I had leg irons and I'm in handcuffs as well. And I'm holding this bucket and I'm holding my Bible and my flag. And they're leading me through the passageway going to this cell where I was going to be kept. And as I'm walking there, the prison guard begins to educate me about the section of the prison I was going to be in. And he says to me, you're going to be in the D section of the prison. So I said to him, oh, okay. And then he says, just to give you context of that, the A section is for those serving two years and below. The B section is for those serving four years and below. The C section is for those serving six years and below. And the D section is for those serving eight years to life. And I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait a second. I haven't been convicted. We're going to the wrong one. He goes, nope, the instructions are you going to the D block. It's called the D block, I remember. And so we get to the D block. And again, in my mind, I'm thinking you get there, you go into your own cell, you know, with the bed and you're closed up and you're fine. No, 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 that's not the way the maximum security prison works in Zimbabwe. It's a communal cell. So wow. you're led into a, into a room that is, I would say maybe 10 meters by about eight meters. I'm not sure what that translates to in, in feet and so forth. I'm still trying to learn uh, I learned American metric, but it's about 10 meters going one way and about eight meters the other way. And they are 53 men in there. Oh my goodness. It it was so packed. Jeff, I, I cannot tell you how packed is, it was, except to tell you that the way we slept, we slept one body after the other. That's how it slept. So you 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 slept, with 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 your head in this direction to say to the to the to the to the left and then the next person after you would sleep with their head to the right and their legs to where your head is and the other person would sleep juxtaposed and it kept going that way right up until the wall i have a picture of it that i'll send you so you can see what i'm talking about Every time I came out of that prison, because I was arrested over eight times. Every time I came out of that prison, I always had a skin infection. I always had a respiratory infection simply because of the kind of conditions we were in. It was was horrible. But but I tell you this whole story to introduce you to four men that I met on that first visit, right? Right. These four guys, as I come in, approach me. I think that they're going to beat me up. This is it. They're going to take me down. Everything I've ever heard about maximum security prisons comes alive right now with these four guys. They approach me and the first guy, tall guy, his name was Charles. He extends his hands out to me and he, to shake my hand and says to me, welcome, Pastor Ivan. We have been expecting you. I was I was like, okay, what are you talking about? And he says to me, we heard about the work that you were doing. So my four friends, my three friends and I, when we heard you had been arrested and you were being brought to prison, we prayed. Just, I want you to hear this, Jeff. He says, we prayed that you would be brought to this exact cell. (laughs) You're like, you know, you're the reason. So, so that was that that's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Since your prayers get answered so much, why didn't you pray that I go home? How about that? How about I go home? But but let me let me let me explain a little further. I joke a lot with, with that. But but he then carries on and he says to me, We have a commitment to make for, you know, for you. And he says, our commitment is that for as long as you are going to be in, in this prison, my three friends and I are going to look after you and we are going to make sure that you are stronger when you leave than when you came in. You know, Mm -hmm. Jeff, um, You 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 make a decision when you go into a place like that to to not cry or to try and be tough because you know (laughs) you don't want to cry on your first day (laughs) in prison, right? Um, I I just broke down. These four guys, I I I couldn't believe it that God had in, in my worst nightmare, God had set me up with. He set me up with pastors. (laughs) These four men represent the greatest pastors I've ever met in my life. I was in there for four months, I was beaten, I was tortured, they couldn't do anything about that. But true to their word, every time I came back from a torture session, every time I came back from from being abused, those four guys gathered around me, they bandaged me up, they washed me up, they prayed for me, they encouraged me. Mm -hmm. Those four guys, four prisoners, a man serving life for murder, a man serving 18 years for armed robbery, a man serving nine years for attempted murder, a man serving another nine years for attempted murder. They were the best pastors, the best pastors I've ever seen. I saw those guys operate in a gift of service, a gift of shepherding, Mm. a gift of encouraging, a gift of looking after someone in a way that I have never seen people outside prison do for me.
0: Mm, mm.
1: So if you want to, you're asking me, where have I, what is my experience of the gifts? It is, it is right there in that prison. Wow. Those men, those men were my pastors. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: They were my pastors. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. And, and I say this with, with so much pride.
0: Mm.
1: When I left that prison, Mm. I was stronger than the day when I came in. I was, I was, the resolve to, to run even faster and harder with the work I was doing came from that experience of those four men. I was arrested another four times after that. I was prepared this time because of what those four men did for me. Wow. And on two of those occasions, I came back to that same cell and I met them. I'd, every time I'd come back, and I'd be like, "Hey, boys, I'm back,"
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we would go through the same process, and and it was amazing oh, for me. So mm. I, I wanted to share that share that with you. I, I don't always share that that story, but those those guys showed me the importance of number one, God being aware of what we need, of what our cities need, of what our regions need, and placing and planting the gifts. You talked about this, that yeah, he yeah. he gave gifts to men and yeah. placing and planting these gifts. Remember, yes. we're gifts, we're gifts, not to ourselves, but to them. To, That's right. To, to, so, so we're the ones who are being opened up. We're not a gift. There's no gift that opens itself up and enjoys itself. It's stupid, right? Yeah. yeah, You're the gift that should be opened up. You're so you're the gift that should be unwrapped and enjoyed and be accessed and be the surprise gift, be the beautiful gift that benefits, that adds life, that adds what people were missing, that people value and say, this is my gift. This was a gift to me, so yes. that's my experience. I'm sorry to get carried away with. Oh it
0: no, yet. man! This is so good. It, it just—I <laughs> want to jump it, to the screen and hug you right now, man. <laughs> it, you know, it blew me away that
1: oh. that convicted prisoners who had found Jesus and had spent time in prison following Christ mm. were my pastors. They oh, were. Man. They were my pastors, you know, they were my instructors. At one point, the one guy's name was Jabu. I was sitting, I think I was about a week into my experience in prison. I was sitting right down by the wall, a very high wall of this maximum security prison. And I was just dejected. I'd left my family in the US. I'm sitting in prison. I'm thinking I messed up, I messed up. I went from being free to being in, why would I make the stupid decision? And Jabu comes to me and he says to me, hey, You, you have no time to be depressed like this. And I I remember looking, I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, okay, first of all, you, you were here for a reason. You see all these men in this prison, they have stories to tell, they have experiences. You need to hear those experiences before you leave because you're going to leave. You're not here for long. So you're going to leave this prison. So you need to hear you need to meet with them, you need to talk to them, you need to pray with them, you need to all of these things. And then he said to me, I want you, Ivan, to ignore these walls. Jeff, this is probably one of the most amazing things I ever heard. He says, I want you to ignore these walls. This guy is serving 18 years for armed robbery. He says, see these walls? He says, ignore these walls. He says, I want you to be free in here so that when you leave prison, you are freer than those who are free. Wow. It, it, up, wow. To today, up to today, those words from Jabu, one of my pastors, allow me to, to live without the fear of imprisonment or the fear even of death because of how that young man uh, spoke to me and took time to strengthen me and encourage me. What a gift. Oh my goodness. To speak into my life, to to because, to, to, you know, ministry is a spiritual activity. Yeah. He spoke to my spirit. He spoke yes. to my inner man. He mm-hmm. disregarded my, the circumstances I was going through. And he shone the light of Christ right into my inner man and transformed that man. And I got up from there and I spent the rest of my three, four months after that doing exactly what he said, meeting people, praying with men, talking with them, encouraging them, hearing their stories, making friends. And and, and that was because these men operated in gifts, the gifts that God I uh, had put them, they they allowed themselves to be a gift to me.
0: Mm. Man, I had chills. Like my arm, the hair <laughs> on my arm was standing up. I had goosebumps like you were doing your talking. <laughs> just, I mean, one of the things that I want our listeners to hear is like every single person that Jesus has rescued from darkness into light is a gift to be given to others. And this, I mean, whether, it doesn't matter what state you're in. I mean, these men were in prison and they realized they were a gift to you. And because Mm. they operated in the gift that they were to you, you were built up, you were encouraged, you were strengthened, so that you could then be a gift to others as well in the prison. I mean, just if every Christian would believe this and and let their life be opened up by the Spirit to others Mm. to be given away for their good in Christ's glory, man, we'd all be released. We'd all be living like free people. Like, oh, yes. I, I feel like that was a prophetic word that mm. you said there at the end, that, that that your friend in the prison, is it Jabu? Yes. Yeah, that he said that if you can learn to be free here, then you can be even more free than the people who are free out there. And I, oh, yeah. I, I feel like that's a word for us right now because that passage is all about the captives being set free to being given as gifts wherever mm. God has placed you for the building up of his body. So everyone gets strengthened and everyone walks in that freedom. So man, that I feel like I don't even wanna go any further because I feel like that was like the big (laughs) exclamation point, the mic drop of the whole thing. So thank you for sharing that story, man. That is so powerful.
1: Thank you for making space for for understanding that story, the way it Mm. needs to be understood, you know? And I, I, the, the the weird thing is, I hadn't prepared to share that, but I suddenly realized with how you how you had set the 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 conversation. I thought, wait, wait, those guys were my pastors. Those guys were were gifts of God. That's right. That 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 and 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 and, the, and they knew it. By the way, those guys knew it. Yeah. And they they were not apologetic about it. They were not apologetic about their environment, and. You know, and they just poured into me and poured into me and poured wow. into me and i have wished i have wished and asked God for the opportunity one day to if i could if it was possible one day to tell them or show them where i went from there how mm. strong i was from there how their gift that served me caused my gift to be strong and effective in so many places, to be multiplied and shared on so many platforms. Mm. You know, I'm the one that that ended up on these in these universities and these different platforms and all over the world. But but it was it was because it was because these four these four pastors in, in a prison um mm. and took time to to pastor me and to and mm. to shepherd me and to to be my evangelist, to be my, to be my, to be my, uh, to be my teachers, my encouragers, my instructors.
0: Uh, That's interesting because I I heard the gifts come out in your story because you had, (laughs) there was shepherding going on in terms of the care for you. There was even a prophetic word spoken to you about learning to be free. There was an evangelist calling you to to have hope in the midst of the despair. There
1: Mm -hmm. was this,
0: Probably some kind of a teacher because someone brought truth to bear on your heart, man. Of
1: course. I mean, and, him then, this, sending and then it, me.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's this like apostolic influence that it's having now. <laughs> like, even the story you're sharing and the platforms God's given you and the opportunities He's opened to you. It's like, this is the body of Christ, man. This, mm-hmm. the, the, the small little group. Was an expression of the fullness of Jesus in that
1: jail. Absolutely, that man. I, you know where the church is nothing outside of that moment where yeah. Jesus says to his disciples, um, "Go ye therefore, right, go ye therefore into all the world, yeah, and and teach them and yeah. disciple them,
0: yeah, right."
1: Yeah. they there, there. We are we are and 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 i wanna i wanna try and take that a step further, you know where all of us are not doing anything if we're not if we're not passing on this baton or this torch or this this mandate to someone else to say, "Hey, go further than me, mm. hey go where I can't go because yeah. you know as great as what as my pastor was in the church I went to he, he couldn't have done what those four men did for me. Um, you know, as great as, uh, Billy Graham was, or, uh, you know, you know, Catherine Kuhlman or, uh, you know, you know, whoever it is that we, we, as great as they were, they, they couldn't do what that, that youth pastor that looked after us 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, did. Yeah, they, there's right. just, there's something about the a uniqueness. And that's why pastors, you've got to teach people to, to be disciples themselves because there's something yes. about the, the unique imprint of us doing what God told us to do in our way in that's different from what the other that's person right. did. You know, you never know who you're going to release and what you're going to inspire in them uh, mm. when you when you follow God to be a disciple, to make people into fishes of men. Uh, yeah. and, and that's why I love the work that you guys are doing mm. and love mm. what the the theme of this conference is going to be. Because oh, it's man. going to it's going to absolutely blow the top off the church and, and yes, take us Lord, into a level please. of places that we never we never imagined we could yes. we could we could Ugh. go
0: into. Oh, man. Come, Lord Jesus, come, man. Mm. Wow, thank you so much. By the way, who knows, maybe you're supposed to, maybe the way that those guys get to finally hear the story, and get blessed, is maybe you're supposed to write a book called My Four Pastors in Prison. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> we got a little taste of it, man. That was oh, so man. good. Uh, mm. Dude, well, thank you. Again, it, it's, it, it,
1: you know, I have to encourage you because it's, it's not easy work, you know, um, making disciples. It's, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's easier to preach a sermon and, and be gone, right. Um, uh, than it is to, to teach people how to be had to be fishers of men, how to, how yeah. to make disciples of other people. But, but, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's exciting work because the result of it is, 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 is in my view, the result of it is, it is incredible.
0: It sure is. Yeah. Well, is it Yvonne? Is that how I pronounce your first name, Yvonne? You That's said, because I realized Yvonne. I had said it wrong before. I said it's probably the American way. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Yvonne. That's yes. fine. Yvonne, um thank you so much. And you know, I don't know if there is a way for people to get uh, connected to you or follow you or get more resources from you? If there is, what would that be? If not, I understand you're also got to be wise about your own context and your story, but, um, is there any place we could learn more from you?
1: Yeah, yeah, there is, um, you could get, you could get onto my website, which is uh, ivanmawarire.org. So Ivan spelled E-V-A-N, Mawarire spelled M-A-W-A-R-I-R-E dot O-R-G. Uh, it's just a basic website. It just great. tells you my story and some of the things that I've done and what I'm doing right now. Um, and um, you could follow me on Twitter as well or on Facebook if you're on that, those usual platforms. I don't usually say much on them because there's a lot of uh, anger on those yes. platforms. Yes. But, um, mm. uh, you know, those are great ways to contact me. And you're from the website, you're able to send me an email as well and I'll be able okay. to, to, to somehow respond.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much. You've been a gift, um, you've served us well, uh, you've encouraged and inspired. I think there's hopefully, Lord willing, the Spirit brought some conviction as well to our hearts. So thank you again for making the time to be with us.
1: Thank you, my brother, Jeff. It's been a pleasure and, and a huge honor to be with you
0: today. I wanna to invite you to join me and Dave Ferguson, co-founder and president of Exponential for a transformative discussion on the shift from informing to equipping. In these critical times, we are faced with an unprecedented demand to redirect our focus towards effective disciple-making. So I'm thrilled to dive much deeper into a conversation with Dave as we uncover the key principles of equipping Christ followers for maturity and ministry. This webinar isn't just a one-way lecture. It's an engaging, interactive Q&A session designed to equip you with the insights, tools, and renewed purpose you need for your disciple-making efforts with your church community. So don't miss this opportunity to re-envision and reinvigorate your approach to disciple making in your local church. Let's come together and make this vital shift from informing to equipping for a more impactful disciple making movement. Just visit exponential.org forward slash 180 to register and submit your questions in advance. We're gonna be doing this on Thursday, December 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern. So that's Thursday, December 21st, 2 p.m. Eastern. You can visit exponential.org forward slash 180, that's all one word, 180, and register to secure your spot. And please submit your questions in advance so we can be prepared to engage as best as possible. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks for joining us for the Saturate podcast. I hope you are inspired and encouraged as well as receive some ideas of how you could take some next steps in the work God's called you to do in your own context. I want to let you know of another way that you might be able to receive some ongoing encouragement and equipping. You could visit saturatetheworld.com where we have a lot of our resources, our training, PDFs, videos, audio, a whole bunch of stuff to serve you in your journey towards being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Now, we're gonna provide a code for you to use if you'd like to try a two-week free membership to our subscription-based services. That code, if you'd like to use it, is PODCAST2023. That's one word, all lowercase, PODCAST2023. And we'd love to just invite you to check out what we have online so that you can see if it's something that might serve you and maybe serve the people that you also lead or work with as you consider what it would take for you to get more and more equipping. It's our desire to make this available to as many people as possible. And so everybody who eventually pays for a monthly subscription makes it available for free for people who can't afford it. We've had the honor of being able to give almost 500 free subscriptions away this last year, and we're hoping to give even more to those around the world who can't afford the membership. But if you can, we'd love for you to consider it. Try it for free for a couple weeks, see if it serves you well, and if so, love for you to continue on and be a Saturate member. Second, I wanna invite you to consider being a Saturate partner, and that's someone who's committed to pray and or also give To support the work of gospel saturation what we do is completely based on fundraising and the money that comes in through the subscription and some of the products we're able to sell but the majority of our work is funded by people like you who just believe in the work and want to see more of it done so if you want to pray with us and join us in praying for gospel saturation send us an email at hello at saturate the world.com let us know you want to be a prayer partner and we'll begin to send you updates so you know how to pray specifically. And if you want to give, just go to saturatetheworld.com, click on the give button, and you'll see all the instructions there to help you take a step towards supporting the work as a saturate partner. Again, thank you so much for listening in, and I can't wait till you hear the next one. I hope we continue to encourage you with the work of gospel saturation in North America and around the world.